Welcome to the Champion School Podcast, where champions come to play. Are you ready to gain the competitive edge today? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Champion School Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Byler, and today we're welcoming one of my favorite people in the world, Aaron Bummer, left-handed pitcher in the Chicago White Sox organization. This dude's an absolute stud. I can't wait for you guys to hear from him, not just about the game of baseball, but more of the game of life and some of the things that he's been through, some of the adversity that he's faced in his life to get to where he is. Um, we'll get into that story here in a minute, but just laying the groundwork, man, this guy's incredible. Went to the University of Nebraska, played there for about three years, went out to the Cape Cod League, had a great college career, got drafted by the White Sox, and and that's where his story gets very interesting. Um, it probably started more in high school, and we'll get into that too, but getting into that uh, professional level, now he's up in the big leagues and just trying to figure out how to stay there, and there's so many different things that come into play in your career. Um, he's never lost who he was and who he is as a person, and Beautiful family, beautiful wife, Amber, shout out, legend, one of the greatest in the world. I'm so excited, one of my best friends, and I can't wait for you guys to hear from him and just some of the things that he's got for you, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a parent, whether you're a coach, whether you're just an innocent bystander who happened to stumble upon this podcast and you're just getting some freaking knowledge bombs on here, like I am pumped for this. So Aaron Bummer, my brother, welcome to the show. What up, what, what, up, what up, man? Thank Dude. you for having me. It should be a whole lot of fun. Dude, I've, known you way, I've known you way too long for you just to be here in this side of you right now. Like, <laughs> dude. I should have I mean I should have him be speaking my pump up stuff all the dang time. I contemplated hitting a rap <laughs> when we when we intro this because like off air we were talking about more of like my real career is rapping. You know, like I'm probably one of the best. Like, like if you're listening to this, you got a recording studio. Get me on the mic, man. I gotta, I gotta let this thing rip. Like BZB, you gotta let Blazy. You don't know what's gonna happen, baby. You don't know what's gonna happen. Um, long overdue, long overdue. We've been absolutely, absolutely. Oh, man. We've been talking about doing this for way too long. I mean, but I'm pumped, man. I'm excited, and I'm excited to be on this kind of a series too. I mean, uh, you know, the redemption thing is. I mean, I think for each one of us uh kind of came down to finding ourselves and i mean i think we both have some pretty cool stories that we can share uh that you know that not everybody gets to hear not everybody gets to uh kind of see see the, like the behind the scenes of all the struggles and everything of a traditional baseball player so no nah, man i'm really excited so it should be a lot of fun this is going to be knowledge bombs off the wazoo, tater tots, like hashtag taters and dingers. Like I'm eating them for breakfast, dude. I'm fired up. Like you're so right though. Like a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes. And as high school kids, when we were there and like put ourselves in the youth shoes, if you had to go back yeah, in those absolutely. days, you, you think like everything's all good and gravy on the outside, dude, but people have stories. And the greatest part about this series is sharing those. We had an incredible one uh, with Kristen uh, from St. Thomas university about domestic abuse and the things that she went through and she took like she took five years off won the njcaa player of the year took five years off because of what happened and then came back and won the naia player of the year that next year like that's insane no like, way. break that's but, like, crazy just the fact that she was one like opening a door away from ending it like game over life yeah. over and like where god can take you and where like life can take you in general and like the things that you can do and use your story as power like be entitled by like, like embrace the things that you've gone through and that's what you've done bro that's why i can't wait to hear this like i've already heard it but i wish i would have recorded last night's talk man like i, I almost <laughs> did i almost hit the sneak record on it but um, i'm excited no, to man. 
No, man, we got, we got, I didn't know that story about, I haven't, I haven't listened to uh, your last one yet, but it sounds like something that I definitely need to listen to. I mean, if she went five years, like being able to take off, I mean, being able to take off the spikes, so to speak for five years and then go through your personal struggles and, you know, kind of refine yourself and be able to go out there and compete back at that level. Like dude, she deserves some mad props and that's, I mean, it's an unbelievable story, and I mean, now I need to go listen to it because, I mean, that's, I mean, that you just sitting there saying the five minute or the thirty second preview of it, man, that kind of fires me up and realizing that, like, dude, there's still so much more out there than just baseball that's going on, and there's, you know, you can overcome anything really. Amen to that, brother. I mean, it's I've been pumped up about this redemption series because for me, I've been trying to get away from. Hey, I'm just bringing on a baseball guy. I'm just bringing on a sports guy. Like, yeah. I don't really care about that aspect anymore. Yeah, like I do a lot of stuff in that field. It's great, but I care more about the well-being of the human because, as you know, you're there. And for me, being close to that level and being engaged in that area and knowing a lot of guys up there, like there's some brokenness. There's a lot of uh, masks being worn. There's a lot of stories that are untold, and there's a lot of things that – uh, maybe go on behind the scenes that most people wouldn't even realize are happening. A lot of the pressures, a lot of the uh, anxieties, a lot of the fears, a lot of the things that athletes face and just people in general are facing on an everyday basis in their regular work. And I think if we're able to shine some light on this, I think it can only help somebody. And that's why I think your story is going to freaking blow somebody's brains, dude, like in a positive way, like totally uplift them and totally provide some an outlet for them. And uh, that's what I'm excited about, man. So I can't wait to get into this. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's like you kind of said it. Like, it sports is just an avenue. Sports is just an outlet to what we like. It doesn't change. Like, it's not who you are, and it's not what defines you. But the stories that you create from it are relate to everything. Like, I mean, it's just like struggle that you have in day. Like, it's just like it's the same thing as a job. Like, I mean, if you're having a tough time at work, I mean, baseball tech has become my job. And I've got the same things going on that a lot of other people do, except for it's just in the world of sports instead of, you know, a uh, in an office setting. I guess I just think that I just think that sports is an incredible way to relate to people on more than just the level of sports, but kind of the idea of perseverance and competitiveness and um, like those kind of things. So yeah, man, I'm pumped. When did you figure that out? Like, when did you come to that realization? To when I was, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's prevalent today. I mean, you look at, oh man, I'm trying to think of, you know, I think it's not until recently. And I, yeah. I kind of always thought that sports was something different. Sports was, uh, it always kind of, I've always kind of said the thing of like, a lot of times my life seems like a fantasy land of where, um, you know, I get to play a game for a living. How many people get to say that they get to play a game for a living? Mm. And so the struggles and certain things that the, the time, the take, the time that it takes for the effort that you put in, you know, behind the scenes, like it's all, it's all out there for the world to see. And, you know, until kind of, um, I had people reaching out to me, telling me their stories or, you know, a kid reached out to me, um, this off season and he was sending me videos of the way that he was pitching. And he kind of showed me, he goes, man, I, I really look up to you. 
Um, and I really like look up to the way that you pitch and do all these things. And I'm trying to mimic you and trying to kind of like, I look up to you and I kind of realized right then and there that, uh, that we're kind of given a gift. Um, we're given a gift to be on such a national stage that it's wrong for us not to share it, I oh. guess. Yes. Amen to that. And now like, that. well, you just got back from the fan fest this weekend and yeah. like, you don't have to get too far into it, but like, <coughs> excuse me, like what was like, how gratifying was it to see some of these kids coming up just like with googly eyes, dude, coming up to you like, yeah, bummer, bummer, bummer. like, I just want to hear from you. I just want to like give you a high five, give you a knuck, sign my ball, like sign my little mini bat, like sign my Jersey. Like how cool was that for you? things where I just necessarily see it as my job and that's uh, what I love to do. And for a long time, that's kind of the way that I approach the game. Um, I just, that was all that was out there for me. And then as I've kind of progressed, I've seen the impact that you're able to have on, um, you're able to have kids and you're able to, bring you know some joy to a kid's face by signing a baseball or you're being able to do certain things that um not everybody gets to do and but going to that fan and going to that you make i mean dude, people love sports and it's and i've realized that it's the easiest way to connect with people like in my opinion being able to connect through sports and you know sharing your i mean it's like you look at the things that happened with kobe bryant kobe bryant passed away and you look at the effect that he had on every single person, regardless of whether or not that they were sports fans or not. So he just became a cultural icon, and it's the mama mentality and certain things like that that no no matter how long away we are going to get from, like, when he died, like, that mama mentality is always going to be there. Like, it's the kind of saying, the simple saying of, like, uh, or what is the saying? Legends never die. Mm -hmm. or something like that to where like he's created you you have an ability as an athlete and in this kind of world to create that kind of lasting impact and it's a matter of whether or not you can bring yourself to understand that and then press that out into the world and so it's something like you're being able to do right now you're able to you're able to speak better than i could ever imagine that i could speak you have a (laughs) gift like you you have you have a gift being able to speak to people, being able to, you know, influence people and being able to um, do do and say the right thing to kind of get kids um, in the right headspace. I mean, you, you're able to give mental training and help these kids unlock something, um, unlock something that's in their brains. And dude, that's just, that's you. Like, that's something that you're able to do. And I've slowly started to realize, man, that like, a lot of people are being able to tell stories and it's the little so they think we're that big of a deal or a huge deal. Yes. It's so true. It's so true, dude. So like, and even just getting to your point of the mamba mentality, dude. Um, can you hear me bums? There's poor connection. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're good. Cool. So like getting to the mom mentality, man, like, even like coach out like we both played against him when he was at Brewster, I believe coaching and we were yeah. both in the Cape and like, we had an opportunity to like see 
what kind of impact a coach can have. And I didn't realize it till yeah. today, you know, because all these guys who played for him that I know, especially being on the West coast and you've grown up on in Arizona and us yeah. like having this and it brings tears to my eyes because like, it's, it's like the old saying, like, who's going to be at your funeral when you pass away? Like who's going to be yeah. there when you're done? Like what sort of legacy, what sort of impact did you leave? And both those guys left an incredible impact and legacy and like it will forever be lasting in this world. And like, that's how big sports can be. But I think on the outside, like a lot of some, not a lot, but some people in this world want to just berate some of these guys and girls because they're on that stage and they're either jealous or they compare or they're ignorant of yeah. it. And it's like, okay, well, let me come into your day job and berate you. Let me throw freaking banana peels at you while you're trying to type on the computer and yeah, yelling at the microphone. You suck, twenty four. Like left, right, left, right. Like just start yeah. berating you, like. What do you like the amount of mental toughness but, that it takes, but it also can break you down. I think it can break you down yeah, at times yeah. and like really committing to who you are. We'll get into this later because you hit on a great point last night that's got to be brought up, but like committing to yourself is massive. And um, I think it's just cool the platform that you get to use for good, man. Like using our platforms for the greater good of the world rather than keeping this stuff in. Like don't be afraid of your story, don't be afraid of what's got you to where you yeah. are. Yeah. Like express it, right? To where I used to think that nobody cared. And then I finally realized that, you know, it's getting a message from a kid asking about, hey, like, hey, I am just had Tommy John, like, what should I expect? Like, do you have any tips or do you have anything like that? And I realized, I was like, you know, I might not have the most knowledge in the world. And, you know, I might not be able to speak in a way that you're gifted to speak. But there's a lot of people out there that can use some bit of help. And, you know, I've had enough experience in my day to sit there and say, like, that, hey, like, I can give a kid some advice. Like, I can tell them some things or, you know, and it's just one of those things where I realized that, like, people do care regardless of whether or not you, where, regardless of wherever you are in life, like, you have the ability to impact people. And if you're not doing that, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely, man. You're not providing, like, what you could be providing you're not giving yeah. what you could you know so like speaking of that bums i mean the tommy john you hit on that already but like get into your story a little bit man obviously we grew up we played together through high school we had a dirty team made it to the championship twice unfortunately <laughs> we lost dude we were disgusting we had filthy guys like, i mean we, had, like, we were pretty six, good dude like six we were to way too we were way too good to lose we were, we were way too good to lose a state uh, championship I still got salt in the wounds, man. And I know Coach Gardner's going to be listening to this. He probably hasn't listened to one of these podcasts, but I know he's for sure listening to this <laughs> and Raymond and probably Davies. And I'm going to send it to all of them. And like, Raymond I, doesn't I'm care. He already, Raymond doesn't care. He already got a state title, I think. True. Yeah. Screw Raymond. Dude. <laughs> he, he's on to bigger and better things, man. He's, he's creating no. a dynasty in Arizona at Liberty. I know. He's apparently, like, he is. Oh, man. Just being around that a little bit and seeing what he's done is un like, we knew it was going to happen at some point. Yeah. You guys are freaking stud. Um, we love him to death. If Frame is listening, gotta give him a shout out. Absolute legend. But I know, uh, yeah. I know, Guardy, dude. I know we're st we still got some salt in the wound, man. I'm still <laughs> hurt by it. I'll never forget it. And uh, but I think that just goes to show the the memories we made. But going through high school, man, yeah. and getting into to college, and obviously professional baseball, dude. Like take take this crew through your story, man. It's it's impactful. I want to hear it again. I know somebody needs to hear this, and I think it'll really raise some awareness for how to get through some adversity in your life. So take us through your story, brother. Dude, I think, I mean, I was kind of sitting there thinking about this today. I was like, where would I start in a story? And I was just like, oh, you can start in 
as soon as I got to college and things like that. But dude, in reality, like I grew up, I was a, I was extremely young for my grades. So you were freaking, you're, we've been the same grade our entire lives and you're damn near a year older than me. And so I showed up to high school, man. And I was probably the only kid in high school that didn't have armpit hair. <laughs> so I was, yeah, so I was true, the only kid there. That, I was the, I was the only kid that got through high school, like showed up to high school, man. I, and I hadn't hit puberty and you know, everybody kind of <laughs> passed me and everybody just kind of passed me by. And I like to think that I was a pretty good ball player when I was, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old and same kind of development scale as everybody else. Like I felt like I was a pretty darn good player. And then all of a sudden, over from probably 13 to about 15, you know, everybody else kind of was taking these jumps forward. And I was being asked to play down, like play more so with my age instead of playing with my grade. And that was something that I refused to do because I was like inside of my like inside of me, it felt like I was giving up. And I kind of realized that when I was just thinking about it, that, or when I was thinking about it this morning, because I was sitting there telling you, like what I said, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to start. And honestly, I feel like that's actually when the story needs to start is, you know, we used to play on, we used to play at victory lanes all the time, Yep. man. You, and you were hitting balls 400 feet out of a hundred feet out of the field. You were hitting them. I mean, you were the best player ever. And I was a little pips, and I was a, <laughs> hey, and I was a little, and I was pipsqueak sitting on the end at the end of the bench, refusing to go play with my grade, or refusing to go play with my age, and you know I, to this day I always kind of think about that, and I said, man, like, why did I not just go play with my age? Like I wasn't playing very much. When I was playing, I wasn't playing very good. The negative five bats that we were using, that thing was swinging me. <laughs> instead of <True. laughs> it was swinging me i wasn't swinging it. and i kind of realized right then i was like man i didn't want to i wanted to like i was up for the challenge and i wanted to prove to myself to play at that level and i never went down and i never did any of those things and so i think that's where i kind of started started building this building this and that continued even till i mean in that kind of mentality built all that i mean i was a freshman playing freshman and then i was a sophomore playing jv baseball dude before like, you keep going like, like the ultimate jv starting like matchup the one year it was you versus josh taylor <laughs> yeah, was with the red sox yeah. like both big leaguers I saw josh Ta- yeah i saw josh taylor this year and bought at fenway man and i was i was like dude that was the and i was telling the guys i was telling Somebody sitting right next to me. I was like, "Dude, we had the JV battle of duel of the century." And he's like, "What? Well, you guys like in eighth?" He goes, "Were you guys like in eighth grade?" And I was like, "Dude, no, we were sophomores." He goes, "You were playing JV as a sophomores?" And we're like, "Yeah." And so I think that we kind of had from like that sixth to on like sophomore year of high school, man. I kind of had this complex inside of me saying that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna give in, and. Then I, my sophomore year of high school, I had a growth spurt of, I grew six inches. I finally got some hair under my armpits. My voice got a little bit deeper. <laughs> I was, a, I was a little baby giraffe, like trying to get my feet underneath me. But then all of a sudden I went out there and played the same kind of ball during the summer. And 
it kind of I went back to the I went back to the ball player that I was when I was 11 and 12 and I finally had caught up to the development curve and uh, started getting looks from Team USA from uh, some bigger colleges and that was honestly just kind of I mean and I was still playing JV baseball like And one of those things where how crazy it was that that summer, like I started getting offers for college and I'd never even pitched in a varsity baseball game. Jeez. And so, and so we kind of started going through there and then I went and, you know, I had a pretty successful junior. I would say that I had a, I don't necessarily remember much about my junior year of high school. Um, but would say that I had a successful junior year. Um, went out and played summer ball, like continued to get bigger and stronger, was throwing probably 88, went from a freshman throwing 80 miles an hour to being a now a junior that was probably 88 to 92. And then went in my second year or my second game of my senior season, went out there and snapped my leg in half. Oh. And... In that kind of time, I was like, all right, well, okay, well, this sucks. And But I decided that at that moment that I was like, all right. So what they said, they said six to eight weeks. And I was like, well, state playoff starts in six weeks. Like, that's what I'm going to be ready. And I went out there and, you know, I wasn't allowed to run. I wasn't allowed to hit. I wasn't really allowed to do anything. But somehow the ortho said, oh, yeah, you can go pitch. Yeah, still rattled how you got cleared. <laughs> yeah, I'm really confused, man. And also, if I was anybody, if I was any high school coach or anything, and the fact that they didn't bunt the entire time blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I was like, dude, I just would have bunted every single time. If you had bunted every single time, like, I would have, yeah, like, I would have been screwed. And you would have just went, run around the bases because I couldn't move. The guy literally so, can't even plant his foot, and yeah. we're just going to try and swing away at 92, sinking into our hands from a low yeah, that was honestly, Yeah, that was honestly one of the dumber things that I've done is trying to pitch. <laughs> hey, it got us a good right, picture, though. A, I'll never forget oh, the pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got a good pick. It got a good pick because I was like, my ankle hurts so bad right now, and I somehow. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, I'll, hey, can you? I can't jump, so can you pick me up? And you pick, my, you pick me right up, and I was like, all right, yeah. But <laughs> Let's go. No, so we went and did that, and then, you know, had zero expectations going into the draft of 20, what was that, 2011? Yeah. You know, I threw, I threw what, I think I threw nine innings my entire year, and got a phone call saying that the Yankees drafted me, and I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I had no idea, and it just kind of, you know, I was like, okay, cool, like, whatever. And then it ended up going out, and I didn't end up signing. Went to Nebraska. Uh, went to Nebraska for two years, reliever my first year. Uh, turned into a starter my sophomore year. And then went to Cape Cod. And all of a sudden, Cape Cod, I went out there and figured out. All of a sudden, I learned how to pitch and ended up going out there and starting the all-star game there. And so I naturally came back to campus you know, thinking that I was the man, um, thinking how cool I was that I started the Cape Cod All-Star game, um, kind of thinking that I had the next five years of my life wrapped up because 
uh, I was going to go high in the draft and I was going to go and make a bunch of money there. And, you know, just kind of had the entirely wrong mindset on everything. You know, I, I felt like I'd always kind of been the underdog, um, the underdog and the competitor. And I think as soon as that, I got that one glimpse of success on a larger shit are on the larger stage. It kind of changed my entire mind. It changed my entire mentality. And then going into my junior year, I didn't necessarily work as hard. I kind of thought that I had everything in the bag and went out there and had a 12 ERA through my first five starts and got booted from the weekend rotation and kind of just shell shocked of like what just happened. And, um, my stuff backed up, my ability backed up. I went from pitching at 89 to not, or I mean, I went from pitching to, from 90 to 94 in the Cape to throwing 85 to 90 my junior season. Um, just kind of getting tallywhacked around the yard, giving up eight runs to the Citadel and six runs to Northwestern and all these schools that I thought that I was significantly better than. Um, and then kind of had a moment of realization uh, throughout maybe halfway through my season that I said that something has to change. And I ended up kind of changing my mentality and realizing like if I wanted to make baseball work that I had, I couldn't act like this and I couldn't do this the way that I wanted to and proceeded to um, finish the season extremely strong. Uh, and ended up getting drafted in the 19th round and went and played pro ball. And then pro ball, we kind of had a successful rookie season, uh, switched to a full-time reliever. And then the following season, I get to spring training and my elbow won't straighten, uh, just kind of in, entirely in pain. And so we decided to go in there and take out bone spurs. So this was what the, this is spring of 2015 show up so, at spring yeah. training. Yeah. Yeah. Spring of 2015 show up at spring training, say my elbow hurts. Um, they proceed to, uh, take out some bone spurs and loose bodies, kind of trying to prevent getting into Tommy John. And then I go through a couple months of rehab and it ends up being shot and just ends up my elbow ends up or my UCL ends up tearing in half. And then by August, 2015, I was having Tommy John. Dude, when that happened, like obviously then it was just starting to shift where Tommy John was kind of like, you're almost gonna be better, but it still wasn't known. Like yeah. Now you're, you're almost like, okay, if I get Tommy John, I'm throwing five miles per hour harder. I'm gonna be a beast. But then it was still kind of, up in the air like what were the emotions going through your mind dude like because i and i can i saw them like for the couple years you were at my house yeah living there obviously and seeing you have to go through all this firsthand is maybe why i'm more partial to this story than anybody but i just witnessed it i'm like like, what what was it like i didn't necessarily think of when i first found out that i was when they told me they're like all right so I went and had my bone taken out. They said, "All right, there's a partial tear in there." Or no, they didn't tell. They didn't tell me that there was a partial tear in my UCL. So I just kind of continue on doing my throwing program, and my arm still hurts like 
I mean, it, my elbow was screaming at me. And so I remember calling. She was my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, my arm still hurts so bad. They say that there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm just going to have to live with it. Like, if I want to keep playing this game, I'm just going to have to keep living with this. I'm going to choke down some ibuprofen. I'm going to throw some red odd on there every time that I pitch. And we're going to go from there. And that was just kind of the mentality. That was the mindset of it. I was like, all right. And then finally, one day, I was like, dude, I cannot. I can't even pick up a baseball right now. And I can't pick up a baseball. I can't do this. And I'm just like, there's there's something wrong. Like, please tell me that there's something wrong here. And then we finally go in and just like, okay, your UCL is gone. Like just shot. So I was actually, I was actually at that moment in time, I was relieved. Wow. I was relieved. I was relieved because I thought that if I was going to continue playing this game that I loved, that it was going to be in constant pain. And then was, and then my thought process then was like, all right, if I'm in constant pain, am I ever going to be as good as I was supposed to be? Am I ever going to be as good as I wanted to be? Am I ever going to be given the chance that I was that I wanted to have if I'm not able to throw, say, I'm not able to throw more than three times a week, twice a week, because I have to throw, then I have to have two days off. And I was like, what type of what type of career is that if it's mitigated before it even starts? And so when I finally found out that I was having Tommy John, I was actually extremely relieved. But what I did not what I wasn't ready for was another full year rehab. And so I ended up, so I ended up, it actually worked out. I was able to go back. Another reason I was relieved. I was like, okay, I can go back. It was really important for me to go back, get my degree. So I went back to school, finished my degree. And then in February of 2016, I was back out in Arizona doing rehab and that's when it finally set in to me of what the actual grind of rehab is. Uh, you go, you get to Arizona, you think it's all fun and dandy. Um, you get there before everyone else, so you're kind of there first. And as everybody, all the new guys walk in, you're able to say what's up. Like, it's good to see everybody. And then all of a sudden, spring training game starts going. And then all of a sudden, everybody leaves. All of a sudden, everybody leaves, and you're like, oh, wait, we're still stuck here. Like, everybody else is out there progressing their career. Everybody else is out there throwing and trying to work towards the big leagues, and you're just picking up a baseball and trying to make it go. And you're just now starting to throw, and you're trying to throw a baseball 60 feet. What was it like in that moment, Bums? Like, what was it like? Because there's somebody out there right now, like, there's a pro guy listening to this right now or maybe in another sport who just tore their ACL or just tore their UCL or just freaking tore the rotator cuff and they have to sit there through their spring training or through their season and watch the other people compete and they don't get to go out there. So like, what was that like for you to just sit there and just like watch everybody leave? Cause I remember when I got suspended, all right, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Like, I mean, that to me was the point in time where I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, all right, do I want this? Like, and, you know, I was blessed to have a group of guys on me that there was four or five other Tommy John guys that, you know, were at the kind of the same spot that I was that emotionally, physically were able to push each other 
throughout kind of the dog days of summer. I mean, nobody wants to be, I mean, you're from Arizona. I'm also from Arizona, but dude, summer, summers in Arizona are not fun. It's the worst experience in the They're world. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're the worst. You're out there every single day, like grinding away, just feeling like you're rotting away in the Arizona sunshine while all your boys are out there competing. All your boys are getting promoted to, you know, they're getting promoted to double A and they're getting, they're doing all these things and you're just like, dude, I'm ready to get out of here. But then you have to realize that it's a process and there's only certain, there's only a certain amount of things that you can control. You can kind of control, you can't control that you, and it was, that was, I also had a realization that there's only certain things that I can control. Um, I can control the effort that I put into my rehab. I can control the, you know, the attitude that I have going in there. Um, I can control, uh, the things that I'm doing afterwards. I can control certain things. I can't control the fact that I'm stuck here and everybody else is doing, I can't control anything that what, what is happening outside of my little realm. And so realizing that it was kind of something where you're like, all right, we're rehabbing. Like we might as well, we might as well get as strong as possible. I've never been in better shape in my entire life than what I was six months, eight months into rehab. Wow. I w- had never been as strong. Like I wouldn't say that I was as strong mentally, but physically, physically there was the bright spot on my day was being able to go into the gym and go work my ass off. Yeah. The, you, you, became meticulous in your work or at least i became meticulous in my work i became meticulous in my work i did i i didn't skip reps i didn't skip things i did things to to where i thought to myself i was like all right if i'm gonna do this rehab if i'm gonna continue to be away from my family or i'm gonna continue to be away from my girlfriend making eleven hundred dollars a month i better make this shit count yeah Absolutely. Like, and that's honestly, that was, that was kind of the thought in my mind. I was like, dude, you're making $1,100 a month. You have two choices here. You can either sit there and rot away and just make it be fun or you like, or you grind. And you know, there's a combination of both to where you're able to go out there and you can go, your days are short. And so you go spend your time at the pool, you go spend your time, you go to the bar, you do whatever. But when you're at the field, like my, my, kind of motto is like make this count like make everything that i do count and so that's kind of my i guess that was kind of the way that i got through it but i mean it was hard like mentally like physically physically to me it was easy um i was blessed that i didn't have setbacks i was blessed in the fact that i um had amazing had an amazing support staff and physical therapists and athletic trainers and strength coaches that we had an amazing program that I was able to, um, kind of excel at, I would say that I, I mean, how rare is it these days for guys not to have setbacks? So rare mentally, it's a grind and there's no, I don't think that there's an easy way to do it. I don't think that there's, magic pill of sitting there saying like you know you got this or count down the days like i think that if you have to do rehab because i mean that was also my summer in a row of rehab um 
since I rehabbed all of the summer of or all spring and I got back 26, it was rehabbing. So I didn't think that there was, especially then there was no magic pill. There wasn't kind of anything like, dude, there was tough ass days. There's days, there's tough ass days where you want to go crawl in a corner and just say, screw this. I'm going home. There was days where you just wanted to go sit at a bar for the entire day and then just say, screw it. I'm not going in tomorrow. Um, but then I always, I guess at the end of the day, I always found myself there and ready to work as soon as I got out the field. Like as soon as I got to the field, like everything else kind of went away. Like the labors of the rehab, like the rehab, the hardest part about it for me was being away of being away from the field. Mm. Was all the ex was all the external factors outside of the field and outside of rehab that you would get lost in or that you would go and do that. You'd be sitting there looking, you'd be pulling up box scores, watching your buddies and seeing them do well and wishing that you were there. So that to me was the, that to me was the hardest part of it yeah, all. It was probably a lot of comparison. You know, you're always like yeah, looking over your shoulder too. And you want to be there obviously and for you being the second season in a row in the same position that you were in the, the, summer before like in arizona where it is not fun at all like extended spring is yeah. not cool i did not recommend it like if you gotta go sorry no. about it but like, and i watched and i watched two draft classes pass me by and so i had this clock instilled in my mind of like hey like dude i don't know if the white Sox had necessarily a clock for me but i had a clock in my mind of sitting there saying like okay they i was the 19th rounder I I was a 19th rounder. I've been hurt for two years. Like, whenever I get back, like this is my only shot. Like, they don't even have. To, I'm, it was like I missed two years. They don't even have to give me a shot. They could just, they could just get rid of me so easily and not bad an eye. And so that was something that also drove me is in the fact that like, dude, this is if if I want to continue playing baseball, like, I better figure this shit out. Like, I better take this time to retool who I am you know, to change the delivery or work my butt off or do anything that I possibly can to become a better pitcher. Because as soon as that clock hits zero and my rehab is over, that is my go time. That is the time to where I need to make an impression. I need to do things if I want to continue playing baseball. And so that was another thing that kind of carried me, but that was also the thing that was at the field. Like the stuff that's off the field, the stuff that's off the field. I mean, that was a pain in the butt. Like, I mean, but that's just your mental, that's your mental mindset. And I like, was I in the same mental space now? Do I think I'm stronger for it? Absolutely. But was I mentally strong then? No. Do you ever contemplate just hanging them up? Like during that time, sometime in those two years, did you just sit there in your room or in the downstairs of my crib at home and you're just sitting there like withering away in the summer of Arizona? Like, do you ever think about just, Hey, maybe I graduated college. Really, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I sat there after. I mean, I sat there after college. I got my college degree, and I was holding it. And I was like, I just got this piece of paper, and I'm gonna go sit in Arizona for another. For what? Another? I mean, I got my I got my degree in December, and I was four months DJ right then. So, 
I'm going to go sit in Arizona for another 10 months. Like, am I actually bettering myself in those 10 months or I'd be better off getting a job or would I be better off doing something else? And so I just think that there is always, was it ever a this or that? I don't think so. But yeah, like, I mean, it crossed my mind all the time. Crossed my mind. I think it, I mean, I'll be honest and say, I think it crosses a whole lot of minor leaguers. And just, I think it crosses a whole lot of baseball players in general's mind. I mean, it's a tough, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough, you know, I mean, it's a tough life out there when you're making $1,100 a month. Yeah. You got nothing back in your way from family. You're in a place you don't really want to be in. Yeah. Now, like, isn't it amazing how in life, like life comes down to choices and like you've already said it best. Everybody got choices, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you said it the best, but guess what? It's really true. Yeah. And you have opportunities and you had an opportunity either way. And both choices may not have been a bad choice. Like one, pursue my dream or two, go pursue my degree and what I want to do in life. And like maybe yeah. start my career and start that clock of, uh, in that chapter of my life. You've got yeah. a beautiful girlfriend. Like you're getting ready to get engaged. Like at that point, everything could have been, Hey, I'm going, but what was it that like truly made that mind shift in the beginning? Cause I know like we'll get into it in a minute here about an actual, like the MLB now where you're at, because you were in an incredible space and headspace and it's amazing to see, but like then what was it? Was it just a gut feeling that just said, Hey, like this is what I belong to do. Like I, I'm, I, why would I give up on this dream now? Like, why would I cash it all in? Uh, I don't think that I ever got to the point of necessarily seriously contemplating it. But I think that when I first came, when I was, when I was, um, wait, no, I take it back. I take it back. I didn't wait. Yeah, I did. Okay. No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put together, I'm trying to piece together the years of my mind. It's amazing how much fast. Arizona just blends together. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Arizona, in two years in Arizona, it all just blends together. But dehydrated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I mean, I think it was something that I always knew deep down that no matter what, I was going to, you know, I had an amazing support system of uh, Amber, who's now my wife, um, my family, my parents, um, my brother, you like the amount of support system that I had surrounding me, like made me felt like whatever choice that I made was the right choice. And I wasn't ready to let go. And I felt like I need, I owed it to myself to, cause even, even when I was playing rookie ball, I was only allowed to throw once every five days because my elbow hurt. And there's just kind of, there's just red flags everywhere. And I don't think that I, at that point in time, I hadn't given myself a fair shot at pursuing what I wanted wanted to do. Yeah. And and I just think that like without the support of those guys, without the support of Amber or my family or anybody, or you, I mean, or Raymond or you know, my anybody, like I think that those thoughts would not have just been glimpses and just kind of random thoughts that happened in the middle of a day on a, when it's 120 degrees outside, I think that they would have happened more often. And then, you know, who knows where we would have been at today. Um, but yeah, in reality, like, I mean, I just thank everybody that had my back throughout it and was willing to kind of sit through the crap for two and a half years. Yeah, no, you were, 
and, and you you embraced it like as tough as it was you embraced yeah. it but i think it's crazy how the people you surround yourself with can literally inspire you like and it's amazing what somebody's belief in you like the type of impact that yeah. it can have it's just like a coach right like if a coach sees something yeah. great in you you're gonna all like automatically be a little more pumped up or inspired to work harder or if somebody in your in your circle is inspiring you to keep going and pushing you and believing in you and saying you got this and behind you that like you're gonna ultimately feed off their energy but there's a lot of people out there that don't have somebody to turn to or they're so stubborn that they don't want anybody in their corner and i think having good people like if there's one lesson you took out of this is having people around you that can help bring you up and help elevate your yeah. game elevate your emotion because like if we think if you think about it the same thoughts that you think about over and over 90 percent of the thoughts that you have every single day are the exact same thoughts why do i have to wake up this early why do i have to go to work why do i have to go to the field Oh, I hate my trainer. Oh my gosh, my coach sucks. Oh, that guy's seventy years old and he's annoying. Like, oh, this dude's really cool. Old Town Scottsdale is incredible. I love going out there. <laughs> like, whatever it is, those thoughts turn to beliefs, and once they turn to beliefs, they become a part of you. And yeah, you embrace that, good or bad, good or bad. And I think if it wasn't for the people around you supporting you and, and getting you through this, because it wasn't easy. Seeing you every day was not easy. Like I saw. The yeah. worst, the worst, and the best, the best. Like in that time, in that time of my life too, like I was shattered too for a while. Dude. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were both. I mean, we were both. We were both riding that struggle bus, man. And you know, I think it was a blessing that I was able to live there with you because I think that we were both able to kind of we're able to see almost the light in each other. And yeah. like, I don't know if that sounds cheesy or not, but I mean, it's one of those things where we're like regardless of whatever we were doing in our baseball careers, we were friends first and we were boys first. And so that was our, our, each other's well-being and each other's like our friendship was more important than us being baseball bros. And so we were able to, we were able to prop each other up on the fact that like, dude, you're my boy. Not just because, not because we play baseball not because you play baseball, I play baseball, but we're boys because we grew up together and you know, I want what's best for you. And you wanted what was best for me, no matter what. And we were able to kind of push each other through that and, you know, keep progressing in our careers. So, and so, so true, yeah. So, I mean, um, no, I love that bums. And, and obviously I look up to you and, and like, we're always friends first. We, I talk about anything other than baseball. Sometimes it takes us just going out and having a beer and not talking about baseball, going to squid and have a soccer ball with, with Zach's now wife, Mrs. Byler. I'm oh, yeah. still, but I love it. Let's go. Um, but like you get to see these different sides of people. And so many times people see the exterior, but they don't see the interior yeah. of the human being. And when you like get to know people, like love is the soul of the world. Like when you literally get to know somebody yeah. and your energy is attached to them and, and you can inspire them and they can inspire you. Like, that's true love. Dude. That's like really living and embracing your life. And we get caught up in all these external things, social media or my results of whether it's a sport or my job or my family life or my circumstances that I was dealt. But instead of thinking about those, let's embrace the things that we're positive, that we're grateful for in our life. That's serving us. It's giving us joy because it's going to get you to that more elevated state of mind to where you can now be your best version. That's what life's all about. Being your best version. Yeah. So you get to the big leagues, like you go through the minors, you, you, it's like you start crushing it, dude. You start throwing 95 with sink and it's moving both ways. And I see you on TV now and you got 88 mile per hour slider. <laughs> and it looks like you're striking out Schwarber and like Rizzo and like it's insane what you're doing. But you get up to the big leagues and you have a glimpse of success and then you get hit around a little bit 
but you're a new guy. You're a 19th rounder. You just had two years off, basically. You're up in the big leagues with, like, looking over your shoulder. One, how did that feel? And two, how did you flip the script to have the year that you had last year? Because this last year, dude, you, like, if you weren't underrated and quote-unquote off the radar, you should have been an all-star. There's no doubt. And we won't get into that. I'm not going to bring up the politics. But, like, in my mind, you're an all-star, dude. And this year, I know you're going to be there. But, like, how did you flip your mindset? Because your mindset now is unbelievable. Like, not only are you shredded physically now, but, like, your <laughs> mindset, dude. Like, I'm telling you, bro. Like, it is a whole nother change. Like, the talks we've had are so freaking awesome, and I'm excited for you. But what was that flip? Like, what? Because like, it was a good mindset. You had that mentality since you were 11, 12 years old, like the underdog. But yeah. what elevated your mentality to an elite performer, not just a good performer? Well, I mean, I think it kind of starts, I mean, it's kind of the, the continuation of the entire Tommy John story and the, the lack of development and things like that to where, so I went out and I came, I came back from Tommy John and I was in first, my, I threw my first game of Tommy John or off of Tommy John on what day was it? Like July... July like fifteenth, I think. July fifteenth or something. No, August. No, it's beginning of August, I think. Beginning of August, I think. Yeah, it's like August fifth. Okay. Okay. Regardless, regardless, it doesn't necessarily make the biggest difference. But it was kind of so August like fifth. Let's or let's call it the beginning, beginning of August of twenty sixteen. So I go out there and make my first throw my first game off of Tommy John. I'm a year out of, I'm a year out of Tommy John. I'd never thrown a game. I'd never pitched above rookie ball. So I pitched in 19 games in rookie ball in 2014 and then took two years off. My first couple, and I come back from Tommy John, have never touched, had never thrown a baseball 95 miles an hour in my life. And then I come back and all, all of a sudden my first live batting practice off Tommy John was 94 to 96. And I'm like, holy crap, this is cool. And then the rest of the, the rest of that kind of August, um, I'm anywhere from 94 to 98. And this is all kind of something that's so put me on a radar of like I had thrown, I threw five innings in a high. So I threw, that year or in 2016, I had thrown, I threw 10 innings in rookie ball. I got moved to high A for five innings. And then in January of the following year, January of 2017, I pulled up in the email and I got invited to big league camp. And that's kind of when it set in of like, what just happened? Like that kind of hit me in the moment of saying, was it these last two years were worth it? Like, like I've thrown, I've thrown five innings outside of rookie ball, and I just got invited to big league camp. Incredible, dude! Redemption, and, right? Hashtag redemption series. Yeah, man, run it like, back. Yeah, like, like I guess it's even kind of. I mean, I'm even thinking about it right now, and I'm just like I threw. I was a 19th round pick. He threw five innings outside of rookie ball. Got invited to big league camp. Like that's enough to write a story about. I feel like you need a book. I hope you write the book. You know, you need a book. But I, no, but ser- no, but seriously, like I feel like that's honestly kind of that's a story in itself. Like that's as far as that's as far as it's supposed to go. 
And if that's where it stopped, like, would I have been shocked? No. And was anybody else shocked? No. But like, that's just that. That's what I think to me is kind of the great. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of absurd how God's planning and God's timing for everything. And I was like, wow, that two years that I kind of went through, went through the ringer, like, wow, like he gave this to me. And so it's a matter of, so then all of a sudden by the end of, by August or by the end of July of 2017, uh, I made my debut against the Cubs and I remember thinking afterwards, I got interviewed afterwards and they're like, how does this feel? And I was like, dude, I honestly like, don't even know how to put this into words. Cause 11 months ago I was in great falls, Montana. like i like 11 months ago 11 months to the date of like my debut or a little over 11 months i was in great falls montana playing rookie ball (laughs) incredible mind-blowing and so to say that i to say that i was a finished product at that point was insane like i don't think anybody on the planet would say that say that I threw a combined I think I threw a combined um, 60 maybe I combined maybe 60 minor league innings before I made my major league debut as a 19th rounder so it's not like I came into the draft polished by any means like like I didn't come out polished with like plus pitch ability or anything like that I was just like oh we'll just take a chance and then I threw 60 innings and was thrust into the big leagues. And I think that in my first month there, I was unbelievably exposed. Um, lack of execution, lack of um, confidence in myself, honestly. Um, wondering if I actually belonged there or if I was just the only option that was there or that was the only option that the White Sox had. Um, you know, and kind of just got my teeth kicked in for a month. And then in September, I kind of went back to remembered what actually got me there um, and threw the ball a whole lot better. Went into 18 and um, made the team out of camp. Um, put up decent statistical numbers, I would say. Um, but the things as a relief pitcher that matter and inherited runners, first batter out, um, things like that, I sucked and I got sent down. And I kind of, at that point, you know, I went through a lull of for about a month and a half in AAA of 2018 saying, like, screw this. Like, I don't deserve to be down here. Um, like, what am I doing down here? Like, I had a 3-1 in the big, I had a 3-1 ERA and I got sent down. Um, you know, I, I was playing the poor me card a lot. And it was something that I necessarily, I'd never necessarily done. And my performance in AAA even showed that. Like my performance, I was getting my teeth kicked in AAA too. And I was just like, this is stupid. Like, I don't belong here and all those things. And then finally, in, by August, I realized I was like, I'm not going back up unless I figure my stuff out. Like, there's no, there's zero doubt about that. And then I have to sit there and decide. And, and at August at that time, I was trying to decide on kind of what I wanted to be. Did I want to like, and I guess the 
I don't know the I don't know the perfect way to express the way that I felt, but it was kind of one of those things where I said, "Do I want to make a career out of this? Like, do I want to make a career out of this and stick? Like, I made it to the big leagues, but I want to stay there. And staying there is the hardest part. So, That's what was I willing to do? So, what was I willing to do to stay? Um, and I changed kind of my mental approach right then and there in August and had a really good August and there and did September call up and, but still didn't throw well in September, you know, and it wasn't, it definitely wasn't enough to make the team for next year, you know, and it still wasn't definitely a thing for me to, uh, kind of hang my hat on. You know, I, I walked out of 2018 pissed off and decided that, kind of for that off season that my goal was to stick. My goal was to do whatever it took um, to stay in the big leagues because that was what I wanted. That was what I, that was when I finally decided, it's like, this is what I want. Like there's, I'm not willing to accept anything other than I was like, if I, if I put, if I go balls to the wall and do everything in my absolute power to make myself as the best version of myself, and that's not enough, I'll hang my hat on that. I will gladly hang my hat on that, saying that I gave it everything that I possibly had. And, you know, I had my cup of coffee, and I spent a, spent a year in the big leagues and fade away into the sunset. That's incredible. Um, um, I, I think it's amazing, Bums, when you fix a desire and a want and you take action towards it, what you can accomplish yeah. with the human mind. Like you literally decided that day, you said, I'm making the clear, decisive decision that I want to be in the big leagues before it was like, it'd be cool to stay. It'd be cool to be there. But then you said, I'm sticking. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want a cup of coffee. I don't want my, my feet rubbed in the hot tub. Like I'm sticking around for good. And that's like what I want. And now you've, you've shown that and you've shown the development, not just physically, but mentally. And like, obviously in your game this last year, you crushed it and did it incredible, which was awesome to see. And this year I'm coming out to watch you for sure. Cause I can't wait to see it. Like, I'm so excited to see that and see your growth yeah. again this year, but like we're approaching the hour. I want to make sure like we're obviously conscious of your time as well. Um, what's like, if you had to, you've been through all this adversity, you set out two years, you had Tommy John, you had a crazy bone spurs, you had, you broke your leg in, in high school, which was insane, dude. I'll never forget that. It was the weirdest play <laughs> in the world. But like, you, you did it. Like You weren't lying. And you that's said why, you hey, that's why. That's why. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why I pitched now, man. Yeah, no more hit say, doubles, athletes, I was going to say, athletes, I was going to say, pitchers are pitchers, man. I don't know if you want to claim as athletes. <laughs> I mean, it was a nice hit, dude. It was a stroke to right center. But guess what? You broke your leg on a double well, yeah. leg. I thought you were supposed to get rewarded for hitting good. Being in contact. No, I actually God spotted me because it was an easy. We we're I, for some reason was under the bullet. We we're me and Tyler Crawford were like, yo, we don't hustle for dubs. And <laughs> I hit a ball off the right center wall, and it was the it was a stand up triple, and I Cadillac it to second base, <laughs> and then got and then got picked off, and my foot laid in the dirt, and I was just like, all right, that's you know what, that's karma. That's karma for disrespecting the baseball gods by not taking third right there just because it is what it is. They're always watching. They're always watching. Oh, I don't think they are. 
But what's what's one piece of advice that you have for anybody out there facing a piece of adversity in their life, whether it's on the field, whether it's off the field, whether it's in their current day job, whether it's in their family life, like any adversity that somebody is facing out there, like what advice would you give them if you were able to go back and kind of 3D view your adversity and what you went through and what you've learned? Like what advice would you give them? I mean, I think we talked about it last time, but I think the idea of like committing to yourself and I say that as in like an extremely broad sense um, and committing to yourself. Cause I mean, I think that committing to yourself can underline like, you know, committing to believing in yourself, um, committing to believe in your abilities, committing to change your lifestyle, committing to waking up earlier, committing to, um, not going out on the weekends i feel like or committing to a life or a healthier lifestyle um that to me is just something that i mean i think it was something that i did a lot of last off season that i committed to being i wanted to be a better pitcher so i committed to that i did all the things that i could i mean my wife hated me because i was sitting out in the garage for i built a i built a mound myself and I put it in the garage and I went through dry work and I did all those things, man. And I, I was out there for hours trying to perfect something that I wanted to perfect, you know, and commit. And I think that I, and I think that it's a fair term to say of committing to that and committing to yourself is a fair way. It's committing to bettering yourself or committing to, um, really anything like, I think is a, is a very, very impactful commitment to begin with is a very, very impactful word. And being able to commit to yourself and commit to your desires and commit to your well-being, be able to commit to your beliefs and whatever that may be, but like you owe it to yourself to give yourself that opportunity. Oof. That's some fuego, bro. That's getting repeated. That's getting retweeted. That's getting depleted. We're going. We're going rap game, dude. This is firing me up. I, that's the biggest thing no. in the world is committing to yourself. But, a lot of people think it's yeah. selfish, but it's not. It's not selfish at all. Yeah, it's, and I and I don't want it to. And I yeah, and you're right. Like I don't want it to sound selfish, but it's it's. I mean, you can commit to committing to yourself, or I mean, basically just being able, the idea of being able to commit to something, committing to be a better husband or committing to be a better friend, committing to do any of those things. Like those aren't selfish desires. And I feel like committing to yourself, like by me committing to myself, I'm committing to myself to be a better friend, to be a better husband, to be, um, to being a better Christian or to being a better pitcher, committing to do those things. And I'm going to do everything that's in my power to be able to do that. 100% bro. 100%. 100%. You're not leaving anything on the table. And that's why I'm amped because of where you are. You've made a clear, decisive action to go after what you want in your life, and you're making it happen, dude. And like to watch your development over the years and to just see where you've come from and see the amount of adversity that you face and see where your mindset used to be in certain times. And like sometimes you got to swim with the yeah. sharks to get to the island, dude. Like you've got to get through some, some crazy currents and you've got to go through some crazy trials. But you never wavered from who you were deep down inside. You never, no. you never wavered and you've committed to yourself. But I, but I also think that's something that everybody has to do. I mean, I think that everyone fights their own demons and I think that everybody fights their own battles. 
And I think that's the beautiful thing of life. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing of, um, going through that struggle because it's, it's, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel a lot of times. But at the end of the day, as soon as you see that light, the amount of strength that you gain from that struggle will forever stay with you. Oh, that is, oh, that's getting quoted, dude. I'm using that. That's real. That's real life. That is absolute yeah. real life, man. That's, it's unbelievable. Like, I really hope somebody took something out of this and no matter who's listening or what you're listening for or why you tuned in, there's a reason. There's a reason for everything. And whoever's yeah. been blessed to just hear this and hear your story and hear what you've gone through and hear how you've persevered and hear some of the wisdom that you're spitting right now. And like for some of the kids out there, they get to ask you questions and use you as a tool and as advice and like be able to learn from somebody like this. It's amazing what social media can do now with the easy access to people and athletes at the highest levels. And we feel like we're a part of their careers. And I definitely feel like I'm a part of yours, moms. And I'm excited for your future, bro. And I just thank you for coming on here and, and us making this happen because we got to have a part two now. There's no way there's no part two. Part two's got to happen. Maybe during spring training, I'll fly down and we'll rip one yeah, in the morning or something. But uh, I think it's incredible, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited where you're headed this year. Um, God only knows, but guess what? Like good things are going to happen and I'm excited for it. And you've earned every bit of the right to be where you are and you're going to continue to earn it and continue to commit to yourself yeah, and continue to push the grain forward, bro. So thank you for coming on the show, Bums. It really means a lot to me. Hey man, I appreciate you having me.